God's been working on my heart uh, for a while about this uh, sermon subject, and, and uh, I continue to say, you know, you sure, God, we want to talk about that, and he just keeps bringing me back to it. Uh, but before we kind of get into that, uh, I, I really want to kind of open up and, and recognize that it is family weekend, and uh, today we're going to be talking about the subject matter of, of David and him dancing before the Lord, but to recognize the, the elephant in the room. We got a lot of kids, and so I, I want to get them engaged a little bit. So I got a, I got a quick riddle for you guys to kind of get you engaged a little bit. No parents are allowed to participate in this. All right, kids, this is for you. How do you make a tissue or Kleenex dance? Put a little boogie in it. That's what I'm talking about right there. So, so now they're engaged, uh, and I'm excited about what God's going to do today. Um, you know, I was thinking about trying to put myself in, in this scripture context about David dancing before the Lord. And the truth is, for me to completely grasp what it looked like, I had to weed out all the images of what it probably didn't look like as David danced before the Lord. So check out this quick video clip. So just to, to get some participation from you, how many will admit you're, you're just a good dancer? Come on, come on, go ahead and call yourself out. All right, uh, what about uh, how many of you, you just know you're not a good dancer? How many of you are just, I don't dance at all. I'm, I'm just one of those, it's a, hey, this is all you're getting from me right here. This is it. There ain't none of this crazy right here. This is all you're getting, you know. So we're talking about David uh, dancing before the Lord, and really to understand, understand the scripture context, we're going to, uh, Sean set me up really well. We're, we're coming off last week Easter, uh, and then uh, the week before that was the conclusion of the sermon series Reckless Love in the book of Ruth, and, and he read a scripture text that I'm going to start with today, Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 uh, and 6, where it talks about the lineage of Ruth, where it said Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. So we're going to continue in that bloodline, and we're going to talk about David uh, and him dancing before the Lord. Um, 
And so the main scripture context that we're going to speak to is going to be found in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12 and 15, where it says, Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and fattened calf, wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts of, and the sounds of trumpets. So let's put some context to, to this uh, festivity and event. So here they're celebrating bringing back the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of God back to the camp of the Israelites. And of course, you can see the image of, of a, a replica of what perhaps the, the Ark of the Covenant looked like. And this was a really big deal because this symbolized, one, the presence of God to the Israelite people. It contained different artifacts of uh, miracles that God had performed throughout the, the Ten Commandments, uh, Aaron's rod, uh, a handful of things. And so they were perhaps bringing everyone together to rejoice uh, over this event. And this was uh, a culmination of, of many, many years. You know, they once had the Ark of God in their possession, and then with their battles with the, the Philistines, it was taken from them. And now that they have recaptured that and received the victory, now they're bringing everybody together, together for a point of, of celebration. So big to the point we see in 2 Samuel chapter 6, 1 and verse 2, where it says, David again brought together all the abled young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, which is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. And so this is not just, hey, something they've thrown together. I mean, we've got 30,000 men that are there to kind of help and assist David uh, in this celebration. And there's one main question that I really want us to ask ourselves and, and address today. And we're going to talk about it throughout the whole day. And that is, what drove David to dance? What drove David? David to dance. Let's just pray real quick and we're going to dig into the word. God, we, we thank you right now, God, for, for just being here. We thank you for your spirit, your presence. God, you've been so faithful, God, and, and we just love you so much for everything that you've done in our lives. God, we ask as we come and dig into your word that you would speak to us, help us to see and hear exactly what we're supposed to see and hear, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we create this environment and, and create the context of, of where we are, the question is, what drove David to dance that day? What drove him to dance with all his might? And the first point that I want to make is, I believe that David danced with all his might because he was truly thankful for the victory. You know, David didn't get here overnight. You've got to think of all the obstacles that he had to overcome to get to this point where he is king of Israel and the Ark of the Covenant is in their possession. Go back and think of David's early times to where he was a first pointed, the second king of Israel. You know, Samuel was sent to Jesse by God to say, hey, one of Jesse's boys is going to be the next anointed king. And he didn't even make the lineup when when Samuel came to Jesse and said, hey, one of your sons is going to be appointed, he called all his sons and didn't even bring David to the table. 
And Samuel went through all his sons and, nope, this is not him, this is not him. And he's like, are you sure this is all you? Well, we've got David, but he's just a shepherd boy. So he wasn't even a factor in that. And then, of course, when he starts making his way up to the kingdom, you know, in battles, what David and Goliath, you know, David, was, David everybody was just kind of putting him to the side saying, you're, you're nothing, you're insignificant in this. And then when he finally said, hey, I want to fight this big Goliath guy, and they sent him out there, Goliath made fun of him, he mocked him, and of course we know the story where David slew Goliath. And then David works his way up the kingdom, you know, and of course then there's... there's uh, conflict with Saul. Saul's threatened by him. You know, the people started saying, well, Saul's slain his thousands. David has slain his ten thousands. And so there's conflict there. So David's on the, he's been anointed, yet he's running for his life. And then finally, when Saul dies, hey, I've got my heir to the throne. Now I can take my position that I've been anointed for, only to have the conflict with Saul's son saying, you know, I'm the rightful heir to the throne. And then, so all of this has come to this point. And I think when David truly thought about all that, it truly brought a sense of thanksgiving and humility in his heart. And he was grateful for the position that he was in. And he was truly thankful for what God had done in his life. And so the question perhaps that I pose with, to you today is, what are you thankful for? You know, you can say, well... Uh, there's, there's plenty to be thankful for. Perhaps you're in a position where I don't know that a whole lot to be thankful for. I, you know, this God thing, I don't know. I'm, I'm here just to kind of go through the motions or I just want to check off a box or this, I'm new to this relationship with God thing. I, if nothing else, get this point today. There's one thing that you can be thankful for whether you realize it or not. And that is that God came and he died on a cross for your sins. And he came so that you might have life and life more abundantly. And whether you realize that he did that or not, it has happened. He has paid that price, and all you have to do is make a decision today to bring him into your life, and that he'll be there. And you can dance that dance. When I talk about, if I had to put a title uh, on today's sermon, it would be Dance Your Dance. Because when I say dance your dance, dancing is a way of living out that relationship with God. Walking in that relationship with God uh, on a regular basis. And so I think about thankful for the victory. Sometimes we can get entrapped in a lot of misconceptions. I want to talk for just a moment, and I didn't drive this point as well as I'm going to drive it today because I really feel that, that God has it for Sunday morning. And that is a lot of times we have preconceived notion of what victory is. David thanked God for the victory, all the things that he had done in his life, but we have preconceived notions of what victory means. In other words, we have in our mind what victory looks like and a set outcome. And if that outcome to the situation doesn't look like that, then we feel that we don't have victory. Perhaps, and let me challenge you today, what if we started looking at victory not as in whether or not the outcome met our expectations, but looking at victory to where it's simply determined by who we turn over the need and issue to? Because if we look throughout the Scripture, 
You know, we understand and know that, first of all, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in Ephesians. And then we also, through Deuteronomy, know that God is fighting for us. And we understand in Romans 12 that the vengeance is the Lord's. And if Romans is true when it says that God before us, who can be against us? Why can't we walk in victory just knowing that we've given it to him? You know, I I speak to that because I feel like because we get so entrapped with the expectation not being met, there's some of us here that aren't walking in victory. I think the enemy has you so perhaps deceived. Not only are you not walking in victory, but you think God is not hearing your prayer because the outcome hasn't met your expectation. But can I tell you today that God is in your situation, whether you realize it or not. His ways are not our ways. But if we completely have faith in God and know that we are a child of God, that God will make a path for us and God will work everything out in his perfect plan. Amen? So here we are. David is dancing before the Lord. He's thankful for the victory. The second reason I think that what drove David to dance was he recognized his own true identity. Think about all the different paths that David had been down up to this point. He was a shepherd. He was a musician, a poet, a hero, a mighty warrior, and now a king. However, in spite of all of that, David still danced with all of his might to the point of he had such passion in the way that, that he danced. The, the scripture even talks about that he even exposed himself. And I'm not going to get into a theological debate on exactly what that means or an ephod and, and, and what exactly attire that is, uh, attire and, and dress that is. But it really speaks to the, the level of intensity that David was, was dancing with on that day. And that he understood in spite of all of those things that he accomplished, his true identity was one, he was a servant of God and that he was a child of the king. And on that day, I believe that's what drove him to dance. Regardless of all that stuff, regardless of all the 30,000 plus people that were there to witness that, that he said, you know what? I'm here to honor God. I'm here to usher in the presence of God through his ark. And I know that God is going to be with our camp going forward. You know, we've got a lot of uh, great preachers that come through here uh, at Journey Church, uh, the local body, um, evangelists that come in, and of course, it's it's mainly highlighted by by Pastor Aaron and Pastor Sean. Pastor Aaron, we were just talking about in our life group uh, this past um, meeting, where the illustration where he had his kids coming up here uh, and speaking to that that dynamic of the father and then that relationship that the father has with us and, you know, just really spoke to us and opened our eyes to a lot. But I'll be honest with you, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Pastor Sean and his messages. And, and I couldn't wait to this part of the sermon because this is my way of giving Pastor Sean a verbal hug. You all know how much he loves hugs. <laughs> and so... And, and it's, it's kind of, I've created this mindset, it's, it's almost like a, a where's Waldo of preachers. Because when he preaches and he goes to the video, you never know what we're going to see. I mean, what, last time 
He, uh, he was in front of a body of water. Uh, before that, I, you know, he's preached from a, a rooftop. He's preached in the woods. Uh, he preached from a cliff. And, uh, and I'm, just, I'm just fascinated by that. So I just think that's cool. And I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> so at the end of last year, I, um, I had a conference in, in Phoenix, Arizona for work. And right behind our uh, hotel was Camelback Mountain. Anyone familiar with Camelback Mountain? Okay, so a handful of you. So I said, I, I'd, I'd made up my mind. I said, you know what? I'm going to climb that mountain. You can see an image of it there. I'm going to climb that mountain, and I'm going to, like, have an inspiring word from God. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be just like Pastor Sean. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and, um, and so I got up the next morning because, again, I'm there for a conference. My, my sessions start at 8 o'clock. I got to get an early start to be able to get up and get back get a shower and get ready for the conference. And so I, um, I go to the front desk, five o'clock in the morning, and I go, how do I get to Camelback Mountain? The guy goes, you gonna climb that mountain? <laughs> I don't know if he just looked at me and thought, you, you, ain't, got, you ain't got it in you, buddy. <laughs> um, I said, well, yeah, sure. And I put my probably half of that size bottle on the table, and he goes, that's all the water you're going to take. <laughs> Do I need more? And he came out with three more bottles, and I had to put them in my shorts. It was so heavy, my britches started falling. I had to retie my strings and things like that. And so he pointed me in the direction, went there. Um, I was very ill-prepared. I didn't get a good start with this guy telling me, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. So I get there. Well, I have to go early. I didn't take into account it's pitch black dark. I got no flashlight, no light. I can't see my hand in front of my face. Fortunately, when I got there, this is a pretty common attraction, and so it was a Saturday morning, and there was a handful of people uh, that were there, and, and they were nice enough to kind of let me go in the middle of their group. You know, they had those headlamps, and I could, you know, they were in front of me and behind me or whatever until, you know, we got to a point where I could actually kind of see my each step. So uh, I want to roll some quick videos to show you the account of, of what that experience was like. Okay, so I'm only halfway up the mountain, but it's a struggle. I'm not going to lie. This might have been a dumb idea. I've made one decision already. I'm just going to live vicariously through Pastor Sean. I'm going to let him climb all the hills. I'm going to let him show the pictures. And I'm just going to be like one of you all. Go, ooh, ah, oh, this is rough. All right, so I'm still on my way up 2,000 feet. And I hope I make it. Okay, I haven't gone much further than the last video, but I'm getting near some edges. It's so dark, you guys can't see. I'm so glad I started this journey at night because I probably wouldn't have made it this far. These edges are, hey, it's a struggle. So 
I'm just gonna keep pressing on. I'm gonna try not to look down, and we'll see what happens. Okay, so I'm still going. As you can see, the sun's starting to rise a little bit in the back over the hills. I just passed a lady coming down. I asked her, has she already been to the top? She said, yeah. I said, how much longer do I gotta go? She said, you're about a quarter of the way. You've got to be kidding me. I'm gonna keep going and See what happens. The problem is, I got to be back down by seven o'clock. I left at five. It's about 5:45 right now, so I made a quarter of the way in 45 minutes. This, I'm not making good time. We'll keep going. And see what happens. Okay, so I'm filming this again because they say this is a trail. This is like a drop off and. There's like a walkway of like a foot. That ain't a trail. And there's a buzzard or something down here. I'm pretty sure he's confident I'm gonna die. So he's just waiting for me to kill off. This is not cool. Oh, Lord help me again. Okay, so I'm almost to the top. Just got a little bit more to go. As you can see, on both sides, this is a struggle. I'm really grateful that people are starting to pass me because I need someone to pick me up if I pass out. Alright, a little bit longer. I'm just very happy I've not seen any scorpions. Uh, or any uh, rattlesnakes. That was one of my big concerns. Explain to me why this is considered a trail. This is not a trail. This is a death trap. Alright, so looks like I'm not going to be able to finish. Man, I am going bald, but it was fun. I got to get back to my meetings. There's no way I'm going to make it back in time for the conference if I don't head back now. It's taken me an hour to get to this point, but I'm going to go ahead and head back. It's been a struggle, but I'm glad I did it. So, what have I learned from all of this? Um... No, <laughs> I guess am I ready to meet Jesus? Um, those are bees. Um, well, I don't know what I learned from this. Man, that guy has a big water jug. Maybe that buzzard will eat him instead of me. I tell you, it, it makes a huge difference when you're not walking in the dark. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh, that hurt. Oh, that's going to leave a mark. Well, what have we learned from this?
You don't talk on the phone or video when you're walking down a hill. I'll never learn, I guess. You know, Pastor Sean saw this for the first time last night, and as much as he hates hugs, he gave me a hug after this because <laughs> he just felt I needed one. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it is very humorous, uh, you know, that, and, and it was funny. You know, I, I went up there, you know, thinking, hey, God's going to have this great, you know, you know, anointing kind of conversation with me, and I'm going to be able to share something. And as I got to thinking about just the, the whole event itself, and, and that is, that's Pastor Sean's thing. That's not mine. I've got to find my own identity in Christ and what path God wants me to go down. You know, I saw someone being used greatly of God and thought that I could just mimic his walk. I've got to have my own personal relationship with God. I can't mimic someone else's journey. So the question is, are we looking internally in our walks and, and are we doing just that? Or are we trying to, to mimic someone else's walk? Are we trying to walk in someone else's calling? Are we trying to participate in someone else's blessing? Are we truly having a relationship with God and getting that personal connection with God and finding out our own true identity? You know, the, the Bible speaks very specifically in, in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 where it says, For I know the plan that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He said, I have plans for you. Not for journey as a body. Not necessarily for youth group or children's ministry. Not for your if table, your women's ministry, your, your life group. Yeah, God's going to be in those things, but he's got plans for you that he wants to call you into. And so that's the question perhaps that I, I pose to you today is that I try to mimic and do this. What true identity is God calling you to? What true impact in a relationship with him does he want with you? The third thing that I think that drove David to dance was his relentless pursuit of God. This wasn't David's first attempt at this big celebration. If you go back and, and look at the scriptures and we see, uh, was it 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 11, when it says, When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Yuzah, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing these names wrong, Yuzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Yuzah because of his irrelevant act. He touched the ark, which was forbidden. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath was broken out against Yuzah. And to this day, that, is, that place is called Perez Yuzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite, 
The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. So David had tried this act three months before. Got scared, got angry, said, I'm not, I'm not having the ark come in my household. And then, of course, we continue to see that God blesses uh, the household, that the ark rests, and that now... In present tense, what we're talking about today when David dances before the Lord is David is once again making a decision to pursue God. You know, we all have oppositions that we're going to face in our pursuit of God. We're all going to have obstacles and, and situations that arise. But do we have that same relentless pursuit of God? And, and can I encourage you today that, that God is calling us, one... To, to dance for the victory because there is victory in Jesus. To determine our true identity. And he wants to have that relentless pursuit and that relationship with him. And the reason that it's so important is because I tell you, God is faithful. God is faithful to do a mighty act in your life regardless of the obstacles. Let's check out this one more video of someone sharing their story. My name is Felicia and I'm going to uh, share a little bit of my story with you today and um, my story is to highlight the greatness of God and I am just grateful for that. So my story actually begins before I was even born. My mom was kind of caught up in a love triangle and she was pregnant with me, already separating from my dad and moving on to a new life with another man. Um, it's safe to say I was not planned, and she tried to have an abortion with me, which failed. Uh, also, during this time when she was pregnant with me, my dad was in a car accident, and he was paralyzed from the waist down. So many memories of my childhood with my dad are of me just sitting in his hospital bed and um, hanging out, watching TV, listening to country songs. Uh, it's because of his handicap that he went to go live with his grandma, or his mom, which is my grandma, and um, so my family dynamic was I primarily lived with my mom's stepdad and half-sister and had weekend visits to my dad and my grandma's. My stepdad was an alcoholic, and I recall many nights of us being taken out our back door and walking across the yard to climb a fence to meet a neighbor on the other side where we would stay the night, and my mom would go back um, to endure whatever was to come. Um, the next morning, we would go home to uh, a beaten and a broken woman, and the house would be in disarray. Because of her brokenness, uh, she turned to drugs. And so the two of them met, uh, created a very toxic environment. Um, unfortunately, I think that um, she took a lot of things, took a lot of blame out on us, of us kids um, because of her unhappiness. And um, there was physical abuse, uh, a lot of verbal abuse. Um, she would daily um, humiliate and embarrass us, almost as if she was just intentional. Uh, I remember times of if I didn't eat my, eat my dinner, I wasn't sent to my room. Instead, dinner might be poured on my head. Or going to the grocery store every week and buying her rolling papers. And um, that wasn't embarrassing. Um, but I was exposed to a lot of things early on um, in my childhood that one would not uh, blame me for going down maybe um, a dark path or being becoming a statistic. Um, but God definitely had different plans, and he placed a grandmother that was 
a God-fearing, spirit-filled woman, and he used her as a vessel in my life. Um, around the age of 14, I went to a normal weekend visit to my dad and my grandma's, and that weekend visit turned into to much longer. Um, while I was there, my mom had an estate sale and sold everything, and her and my half-sister went to California. Uh, I later joined them in California and then was brought back to Missouri um, through a court order, and that is where I lived full-time with my dad and my grandma. So even though I was in a much safer healthier environment, there was still a lot of wounds that um, had happened and a lot of emotional scars. So now I am in a much healthier and spiritual environment, but things were still rough. My dad was still in a wheelchair and my grandma was his caretaker and she worked uh, tirelessly to take care of him and, and myself. Uh, we lived in a small uh, two-bedroom home and we were poor. Uh, I shared a bedroom with her, um, and she often slept on the couch because she'd be up all night taking care of him. Our house was just not your typical house. Uh, I had no friends over, no sleepovers. Uh, we didn't have a lot of company in and out because the day really depended on how my dad would feel that day and if you know my grandma was able to take care of him. So it just was a different, different type of house. Um, I learned early on how to be a care taker also um, to my dad because of his handicap. Um, I didn't have um, a parent to help me with homework or attend school events. Um, you know, I was, I was the kid that walked with other people's parents on parent night, so it was just the way that it was. And being a, a teenager, I became very bitter and almost embarrassed and ashamed of the circumstances and even of my dad's handicap. So when I turned 18 and graduated, I moved out, went to the city, and at 21, I became pregnant, thinking the right thing to do was to get married, so I got married. We were married for 11 years, and we had three uh, boys. Um, overnight, I became a single mom. It was of, of no planning. Um, it was just not expected. It, it just it happened out of nowhere and not by my choice, and so I was um, put into a two-parent role. Um, overnight, and I had an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 2.5-year-old, and survivor mode kicked in. So those were extremely trying times. So for all you single moms or just struggling families in general, I definitely know how important those food pantries are, um, how backpack program is, or getting adopted at Christmases for your families because we were recipients of those. So it was during this time as, as a single mom that God continued to show me that he was there with me and just carrying me along the way. Um, I worked uh, two and three jobs, so I had my children had many babysitters, and I'm so thankful for the babysitters that, that he did give to us and even the babysitters that, that my kids ran off because they were pretty good at running off the babysitters. Um, he placed men in my boy's life, uh, whether it was a coach, a teacher, um, an uncle, a, a youth pastor, a worship leader that truly invested in them, and they have no idea the impact that they made, even probably today. Um, I had new friendships for him. I had women that entered my life that uh, lifted me up, uh, spoke truth into me, um, held me accountable, and was just there for me um, during this time. Um, it was 
it was a difficult time. And in order to get through these years, I knew that I needed to keep focused on, on God and just to, to run after him. And that was our main focus of, that was our way of surviving, was to keep our focus on, on God. And we knew that he would be faithful to provide everything, whether it was um, unexpected food, um, gas stretching longer in my vehicle, um, blessings of a car payment disappearing, uh, whatever it was, God continued to be faithful um, in our situation. Fast forward to today, I am reminded of uh, many things that I once prayed for that I now have. I have a comfortable bed. Um, I wake up to a husband that loves me wholeheartedly. Most importantly, he loves God first. And we have three uh, amazing boys and a daughter-in-law and that we're very proud of. And I know that um, they love the Lord and that through the faith that they have seen um, demonstrated in my life will carry over in their lives. So even though this is just a small part of my story, it is my hope that you have been able to see just how big God is and that no matter what your current situation is, your current circumstance, that if you just put all your faith and all your trust in Him, that He is going to come through for you too. And you will experience freedom like you have never felt before because it's for all of us. Okay, so, so many of you may know, but that's my wife. And, and we've been working on this testimony for, crazy thing is, you know, seven, eight, nine years in the making. You know, uh, she would tell me stories along the way. And, um, you know, God's just really been pressing on her recently uh, to, to start working on her testimony. And, uh, you know, it, it's crazy. The, the one thing that I want to be clear on in this is this is not a pity party. This is to speak to the greatness and the faithfulness of God in spite of circumstances. And, and again, the only way that you get that is one being led of the Spirit and having a relentless pursuit of God. And so as we look at this and, and we compare this to kind of, you know, what David went through, this, this really hit close to home, David and his relentless pursuit of God to say, you know what, in spite of all of these obstacles, in spite of all of these things that are coming against us, David continued to have that relentless pursuit. You, you can even read in, um, what was it, Second uh, Samuel chapter 6 and verse 16. It says, As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. In his relentless pursuit of God, he was being despised by his own wife. And I tried to put myself in, in that situation, trying to even imagine what both parties were thinking. How could she, of him dancing with, with such reckless abandon and just such passion for God, how could she despise him? And, you know, a lot of people will, will look at that and say, well, well he wasn't uh, carrying himself properly like a king should. Well, that's okay for my chair because, you know what, he was understanding his true identity. 
But I got to thinking about what was going through her head, and maybe this was just it. Is you got to understand that, that David was a psalmist, and that he had probably written a song in his heart and in his mind of all the different things that God has done for his, in his life and, and done for him. And that what might look like someone that is just dancing with, with no rhythm and just no choreographing, just nothing, he probably was dancing to the song that was playing in his heart and in his mind to God. And the reason that Michael couldn't understand his dance because she couldn't hear his song. So what is the song that's playing in your heart today? There's going to be some opposition that you face when you dance out that song that's playing in your heart because the truth is God has done so much for us. And there's going to be an opportunity at the end of the service today for you to come up and get prayed for if you're struggling in that dance. If you're struggling just to start dancing, if you're struggling with dancing your dance and not someone else's dance, or you're struggling in that relentless pursuit of God. And can I just say that God has something special for you? That opposition can be a multitude of things. You know, the, the Bible speaks that to everything there is a season and a time. This is where the enemy tries to get us captured, and that is he tries to keep us in certain seasons so that we don't grow. And I know this firsthand because uh, there was an issue that I was praying about uh, earlier this year. And, you know, when I pray, you know, the, the song on Spotify needs to match, you know, the mood of what you're praying. And, and the truth is, you know, the, 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 the song is titled, Even When It Hurts. You know, when I was in a point of intercession and kind of had that poor, poor, pitiful me type of attitude. And, you know, God, even when it hurts, I'll praise you. Oh, it hurts so bad. And I kind of had that mindset. But God really spoke to me and, and kind of brought me out of that. And, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I started walking in that victory, not identifying victory just by what I thought the outcome should be but knowing that I had truly given it to Him. And I started walking in that victory, and my mindset changed. And I remember praying one morning, and that song came on, and it just bothered me. I'm like, next? Because I wasn't in that season anymore. There's going to be seasons in our life that, that we struggle and that are tough. God doesn't want you to stay in those seasons. God wants you to operate and dance out those seasons knowing that he's got better things in store for you it's a season it's for a short time period sometimes we'll we'll set up camp we'll build a house we'll have a whole hoa for it's all said and done it was just intended to be a season god has something so special in store for us but we have to make a decision to dance to dance our dance, and to dance with relentless pursuit. As the worship team comes back up, I've, I've got a challenge for you today. And that, that challenge, of course, is in line with, with everything that we've been talking about. 
is I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you are in your journey with God. But I know this is he's got special things in store for you. As we read in Jeremiah, he has a plan for you. And he's got something that he wants to do in your life. And where you are today, he wants you to grow from where you are because he's got bigger things in store. But it's all going to start with you choosing to dance. You choosing to dance your dance and to dance with a level of relentless pursuit. And so I'm going to ask us if we all could just stand up this morning. And I'm going to pray over us and then we're going to enter back into worship. And I'm going to believe that God is going to speak to you today. So as we pray, I would ask that you ask God, Lord, I want to dance. If you're not dancing, God, I want to start dancing. I want to start living out my life for you. I want to have that relationship with you. I want to dance the dance that you have for me. And I want to do it with such reckless abandon. Not taking into account what other people might think. Overcoming opposition. But knowing that you're in it. Let's bow our heads. God, we, we just love you so much. God, we thank you for what we feel in this place. For how you're speaking to us. God, the, the great outpouring of your spirit that we felt today. But, but God, we just, as David did, Lord, we, we just want to, to dance. We want to live out our relationship with you. God, and I pray wherever the people are today, God, that you meet them at the point of their need. God, that you speak to them in a way that only you can. God, the seed's been planted. I pray that you water it today, God, and let your, your will be fulfilled. And we ask all this in Jesus' name.